This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Just going to redirect you once again, or not redirect, going to direct you to ReformationBoise.com for details for the conference that now is just days away. So, the great news is, you still have time to register. There's no shame in registering two days before the conference. The last shall be first. That's right. So, those that register near the end are also helping us out, um, because we don't finalize everything until the day of. Now, if you wait till Friday, I'm just going to be honest, that's not overly helpful. Okay? But, but you'll still be invited to you, come. Yes, just, yes. You know, we, we'll still have you there. There are workers that got given employment in the middle of the heat of the day in the parable of Jesus. So you will still be welcome into the kingdom, uh, or as we would say, the Reformation Boise Conference. However, we would appreciate it if you do register today. ReformationBoise.com, all the details are there. Remember, it's a free conference, and we do love to um, just interact and worship and learn with you and fellowship with you so please come and um, we will be giving away books for all that come to the conference we also have a whole host we have some some very generous people that have given a lot of things to give away so unlike previous years we'll actually be giving away a lot more than what we've done in the past just because we've had a lot of generous um, sponsors that have stepped forward to to help us with that so your chances of winning something with registration are actually quite high. Did Miles Van Pelt agree to the push-up contest? <laughs> he, with Russ? Um, he kind of scouted you out online, Vinny, <laughs> and said, I, I don't think I can keep up with, with Vinny. Oh, man. So, All right. so. But we are going to be talking today about covenant theology. Um, we've been working through a series, 10 Things You Should Know About Covenant Theology. This is um, courtesy of Crossway. They just didn't know that they provided us this material. Um, but we appreciate them having this out there. It's actually based upon a book that was edited by several men, and it's called Covenant Theology, Biblical, Theological, and Historical Perspectives. And based upon that book, um, this article, um, 10 Things to Know About the Covenant, came forward. And we've looked through eight of those. If you missed those, you can go back and catch those on our podcast. We have the final two today. First is Covenant Theology helps us to appreciate church history. How is that true? I'm going to actually just give a 30-second plug for church history. I absolutely love the study of church history. We have some great books at the conference specifically designed for kids to help spark that interest in church history. So please, if you have children, please come and talk to me at the, at the conference, and I will direct you some, to some of these books on church history um, for the younger generation. That We have plenty that are also for adults, but 
I think it's just so important to get children interested in church history at a young age. Okay, back to the to the question. How does covenant theology help us to appreciate church history? Yeah, if we see the covenant theology as God's un, God's keeping his promise and that unfolds through scripture, God did not just stop keeping that promise uh, at the end of the canon, but rather he continues to keep that promise down through the ages. And we can see God's covenant action to continue. It, it, I mean, not, not just in periods of the Reformation, but the early church fathers, we can see God providentially moving and preserving the truth of the gospel and the unfolding plan of his promise-keeping covenant in Christ down through the ages. Uh, and so we can see that uh, rediscovered in periods like the Reformation, but but also when we're studying covenant theology, we're studying the nature of the church. We're, we're studying its history, and it, it's rooted all throughout Scripture and all throughout time. We're participating in it right now. God will always have a people. Yep. And God will always keep that people. And the, the great reality is that God has said that that will expand and grow. So we live in the gospel age. But God has always had a, a, a people throughout the entire Old Testament. And then when with Jesus Christ coming and, and living and dying and being raised and ascending, he ushered in the unleashing of the gospel. He's bound the strong man. And now the gospel is going to the nations as a fulfillment of Psalm 2 of Jesus receiving from the Father his promised inheritance for his obedience, which is the nations. And so what we see in, in church history is how God has always kept and preserved his church and grown the church. And that that's exciting to, to read about and to study and to see really just come to fruition all these promises. Yeah, if we truly understood the history of, of God's covenant with his people, we wouldn't actually refer to the medieval age as the dark ages. We would We would actually see how God was preserving his church even then. And and you might and even today we see the preservation of God's church in places like China and uh, you know in other places of the world we see that and uh, even with the persecution that is coming on uh, people uh, God is still building up communities of faithfulness and so his history has taught us that uh, we can we can count on the covenant faithfulness of God. And I think also a div- uh, uh, dimension of this is that I appreciate church history because I appreciate the writings of godly people from the past that have helped me understand theological truths, biblical truths. And one of those is covenant theology. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there just just wonderful insights that were given in the 16th and 17th century to covenant theology. And some of that culminates in what the Westminster Divines wrote in the Westminster Confession of Faith on covenants. And so I just, part of appreciating church history is saying, I'm not the first person to believe on Christ that has ever walked the face of the earth. There are people that have lived before me that knew a lot and wrote a lot and gave a lot so that... I can grow and, and mature in the faith because of their writings and their insights. And and sometimes people just cut off their hand and say, I'm on the scene now and I... Right, you have to start all over, yes. reinvent the wheel. Yes, yeah. the, the, uh, one of the uh, books that you have for the table is, the, is really the title of our conference, God to Us. And in that book, Stephen Myers will devote 
a chapter to to the history of covenant theology. And I think the th- the beauty of it is uh, for you know I I always say I don't want to come up with anything new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I heard about the minister that had that written on his gravestone. He came up with nothing new because there is really nothing new. It's all God's revelation. And and uh, when we when we understand uh, the covenant and the unfolding of that covenant through the history of of the world. We we uh, see that this is not a this is not a new thing. This is this is something that God has promised from the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of the things, like when you think about church history, it happens in the context of world history, mm-hmm. and one of the things that covenant theology and church history show us is God's faithfulness. Because nation has risen and fallen, but God's people, His church, has always continued. And I think that's something that's because of his promises that he has made. Real quick book plug. Sorry. These guys are just rolling their eyes like, oh, here we go again. Um, Something that I I got multiple copies of and and just from different publishers are a whole host of beautifully packaged copies of confession, confessional standards that have been produced over the years. And so if you are unfamiliar with some confessions, so whether that's the Belgic or the Canons of Dort or the Heidelberg or the Helvetic, Second Helvetic Confession or the Westminster Standards, that we have multiple resources at the conference that have, have brought all of these together into one place. And I would just encourage you that that would be a wonderful thing to, to purchase and to read through to help just deepen your appreciation for what God has given to the church. Yeah, they're um, great summaries of God's word, yes. you know, and and so it's like having a, you know, like a little one volume textbook on on what I should know about the Bible. Mm-hmm. So please pick up I think there's like three or four different editions of of them. So please grab one at the at the conference. Our final thing is covenant theology points us to Jesus and we couldn't help it, but we've kind of been doing this throughout. I mean, that is yeah, the, it's, it's 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 impossible to yeah. you know, talk about God's covenant that doesn't have Christ as the fulfillment of all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whether it's you know, and we we recognize in all of God's relationships, uh, He's entering into a covenant, and so Genesis three fifteen has always been that that. Uh, focal point because that was the first announcement of the good news mm-hmm. that comes as, after the uh, fall of Adam and Eve into sin. And Jesus is that seed of the woman that will crush Satan's head. And uh, you know the, he is the fulfillment of all things. So we're, we're constantly, you know, wherever we step into the stream of covenant theology, whether when we talk about the church even as part of covenant theology, whose church is it? It's it's his church. He's the head of the body, and he unifies all these people into one. And so it's always pointing to Jesus. Now, Hebrews 8 explicitly calls Christ uh, a mediator of a, of a new and better covenant. It says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. And I think you just need to understand that when we talk about Old Covenant, New Covenant, we're not talking about two different covenants. What we're saying is, in the Old Covenant, we have promise, promises made, mm-hmm. promises pictured. In the New Covenant, it's just promises fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's not something different. It, it's just saying everything that we were looking forward to, everything that was pictured, everything that was promised, now has been 
brought to its yeah. fulfillment. It's the object that was casting yeah. the shadow. In the so Old it's Testament. new yes. in the fact that we're no yeah. longer looking forward to, we're no longer pointing back. What, what we're saying uh, is everything now has come to its fruition in the person and work of Christ. And it's with like all a, the fulfillment we've seen throughout redemptive history, it's pointing us to the truth that in Christ, the promises that are yet completely yes, yeah, fulfilled that yes. gives us assurance that in Christ they will be fulfilled yeah it's all it's like it's like all the DNA of a caterpillar was in the is in the butterfly if you think of the old covenant you know those promises as as that caterpillar and the butterfly it's all the same it's the same DNA it's just the fulfillment of it yeah. in so a beautiful form and so we don't say we don't define new as being entirely different no it would say a new administration. A new administration. Yeah, of the covenant of grace. And so that, to me, that was always helpful because I, in the, a lot of my life, I thought new meant entirely different. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was really confusing. But once I began to understand, and, and I think Jonathan's, that is a beautiful way of, of capturing that. The DNA is the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, and, a, it's a, a further revelation, right? It's a, it's a pulling back of the curtain to see more of the picture. When we talk about new, we're just, it's not different. We're just seeing more of the picture. Once again, if this is something that you've really tried to wrap your mind around and, and it's been difficult, there are some great books to grab at the conference to help begin to, to frame and to help you understand what we mean more fully in covenant theology. We have just been kind of playing around the edges on the radio show. I think you'd be ben- it would be beneficial to pick up some literature books on this to help you just be able to, to spend some time working through what does the Bible teach, what does the Bible say about covenant theology. Mm-hmm. Once again, you can get details about the upcoming conference at ReformationPoise.com, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>